0: presented by t-mobile the official wireless partner of odyssey sports with an awesome network and great savings there's never been a better time to join t-mobile visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today
2: oh yeah hallelujah the mississippi squirrel season is open has been open for a while as well as alabama and today this morning is the opening day of the squirrel season in louisiana are you participating well we got a little cool weather just in time A lot more wind than I'd like, though, but if you get out there earlier, the better on this Saturday morning of the opening day of squirrel and rabbit season here in Louisiana. Let us know about your favorite squirrel or rabbit recipe, and if you're going to be hunting, text it to us with uh, your fishing reports, your comments, your questions, uh, to our in-studio real-time text message board. That's 504-260-1870. Say, were you one of us unlucky in person or by Zoom attendees at Thursday's Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Commission meeting? Oh, i got to tell you, someone that's been covering these since the 1980s, these meetings have actually gotten painful to sit through. Useless discussions, pointless controversies, uh, the commission becoming self-confused to the point. Sometimes they're not even sure what motion they're voting on. Taken hours of constituents' time. Well, I'll tell you what came out of those discussions with regard to the Manhattan boat restrictions and also the new redfish recreational limits and what I think can easily be done to simplify and shorten what has become burdensome meetings. Well, this October weather, if the uh, winds lay down, could be great for fishing rodeos and tournaments. Got some of those to tell you about, where they'll be happening, how to get involved. We also have the story of an Alabama man allegedly illegally killing a black bear. We'll tell you why it uh, might be cheaper to poach a bear than it is here in Louisiana. That's our bad boy, the outdoors feature. And if you want some red snapper, well, you still got time to get them. We have not reached our quota, and it's kind of moving very slowly, and you can uh, thank the Wicked winds of the east that we've been experiencing for keeping the offshore boats from going out and checking. I think that's probably going to be the case this weekend. We will have some upcoming fishing reports from our staff of pros. They're located all across the coast. We'll also check the coastal marine forecast as you do head out this weekend. In fact, that's next. We've got a small craft advisory up this weekend. Today, temperatures, nice, nice and cool um, Going to have lows in the 50s and 60s. The highs will be in the higher 50s and 60s. That's pretty chilly as we head into Columbus Day on Monday, and we've got north shore winds. I'm sorry, north winds 20 to 30 knots, four to six foot seas. That's on the offshore conditions uh, for tomorrow. They subside just a little bit and become more northeasterly, 15 to 25. Still going to be contending with some four to six foot seas, and that's a little much for pretty much all the boats that would try to get out. Interior is not going to be much fun either. North winds predicted to reach 20 to 25 knots today, northeast 15 to 25 tomorrow. Choppy conditions today, moderate chop tomorrow. Small craft advisory out there. And we've got an average tide range of 1.3, so with those stiff north winds. Tide range of 1.3 is going to be a lot of water pouring out of the marshes. Mississippi River still low and going, 3.2 on the gauge. We'll tell you how that's going to affect the fishing and possibly some of the hunting down in the Delta region. So we got a full two hours, and hopefully you'll chat with us on our text line at 504-260-1870. And listen for our upcoming guide reports, marina operators, the pros who know. All that's coming up next here on The Outdoors with Don Dubuque.
0: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: And we start off down at Campo's Marina at Shell Beach and get a report from Robbie Campo. And, Robbie, those winds may not be up yet, but, boy, they're predicting they're coming this morning. Well, you know, Don, it start, when I got
1: here uh, around 4 o'clock, um, it maybe a five miles an hour breeze, but now it's starting to ramp up. Uh, I would say it's blowing about probably 15, 18 miles an hour or something like that out the north. Uh, yeah, and it's gonna just, uh, I guess, progressively get worse throughout the day. They're talking Augusta 40 miles an hour or something like that um, <laughs> according, to the, according to the television. Uh, that was last night, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it's still going to it's going to be a windy day, yes.
2: Yeah, Rob, that's going to uh, certainly put a damper on what There's going to be some really nice, cooler weather, and it doesn't look like till Monday, Columbus Day, which is a holiday for some people. It's going to really slow down. It'll get to about north out of six at six miles an hour. But this is the kind of – you know, uh, real deal fronts. When a front comes through, it takes a couple days for those winds to blow through from the north, and then it gets really nice behind them. Well, you know, Don,
1: we've been needing something like this. Uh, usually, this is what it takes to get these trout really turned on for the, uh, you know, for the fall uh, fall fishing. Um, uh, of course, they did very well this past week. Um, uh, you, today, you're just going to have to go tuck up behind some grass and, you know, try to make it happen. You know, I can't say get out of the wind because that's not going to happen. It's going to be windy everywhere you go. So, you know, I, well, where can we go to get out of the wind? Pretty much nowhere. You're not, you're not getting out of the wind. The only place I think you might be able to get out of the wind a little bit where it's not going to be too bad would be on the backside of the dam today.
2: Robbie, what do you expect going to happen in those marshes? You know, typically we get a wind that strong, and you get a tide range that's over a foot in tide. And unless it's got some east in it, man, it could be some problems getting stuck up in the marsh. Well,
1: um, well, as far as today goes, uh, where we are, on this side of the lake with that dam being right there at Hopedale, we're going to have a rising tide. The water's going to push on this side of the lake and pile up. On this side, it's not going to just it just don't flush out like it used to, Don. Because when it gets by the dam, it gets stuck. So um, I don't now if you get on the back side of it, you'll see you'll see a two to three foot difference in tide on the other side of it. But on this side, um, what what it could be. But you're gonna you will definitely see a difference uh, on the other side of the dam than you'll see on this side. Uh, but on this side, you know, it's just going to pile that water up right up against it. So, um, if you stay in the, in the Mister Go around here and fishing, you know, the, the cuts along the Mister Go, I think you'll you'll be fine. Um, a lot of fish caught this past week, Don, going from from the dam down here at Hopedale all the way up towards Shell Met up here. So, all, actually, all the way to the wall. So, um, I, I still think you could probably pull it out of the hat a little bit and fish up on that north on that northern bank uh to miss go but you know as far as lake born that's out you know uh maybe if somebody wanted to go run behind you know that stump lagoon area back there at muscle bay you'll be all right back there um it's not going to fall out too fast back there so you'll, you'll be all right back there uh, because actually the tide is coming in right now so I think you're going to be okay, but we're going to have falling tide during the day. That's going to happen, but um, like I said, it's just not going to fall out of here like it used to do before that dam was put up. So uh, I think for the most part, everybody will be okay.
2: Yeah, and then by uh, tomorrow, there's going to be a little <clears throat> bit of easterly in that north wind, so that'll kind of compensate for real, real, you know, heavy, heavy pushes in in, in mud flats, which you know that shouldn't come till much, much later. Uh, so, Robbie, uh, Monday, Columbus Day, I'm sure you're going to be open. You don't take Columbus Day as a holiday. So um, in the, they're calling for north winds at about 6. That front will have blown through by then. Temperatures should be cool, and we're still going to have some tidal rain. So uh, I would tell people if you maybe go bow hunting today or squirrel hunting or get some honeydews or maintenance stuff done, but Monday looks like an ideal day to be out on the water. Yeah, Mon- Monday does look
1: uh Monday does look like the better day to be out. Uh but I tell you, Don, we got a we got a bunch of people putting over this morning. So um I am not sure what really what's really going on, but we got, a, we got a pretty good line of cars uh down the road over here, so um I, I, I'm, I imagine people just want to get out and they you know they were sick of that 100 degree heat in August and you know in the first part of September, so I guess people are just wanting to go, and they've been itching to go. And uh, if Saturday, like I always say, <laughs> like R.J.
2: budo's boat, if Saturday's your day, buddy, uh, you know. That's it. If it's your day, you got to go. You're not going to catch any sitting on a sofa, that's for sure. And a lot of people, like you mentioned, just want to get out and uh, you know, really a, enjoy some of this cool temperatures.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You got a few swimps? we got plenty. we got plenty of live shrimp on hand. We're not short of that. We just need people to come, that's for sure.
2: All right. Well, good luck to everybody coming down there, and uh, hopefully this wind will blow through. We'll get into some nice fall fishing, some uh, nice, good low temperatures and fish moving into the marsh and the biting going on. Thanks for the report, as always, Robbie. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. All right, Don. Got you. Talk to you later, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, there he goes, Robbie Campo. Go see him down at Campo's Marina, Shell Beach. All right, got some text messages coming in from you, our listeners. We'll share those with the rest of the audience and also tell you about some of our calendar items and also uh, some of the stuff that was going on at this week's Thursday Wildlife and Fisheries Commission meeting that eventually could affect you, the fishermen. We'll be back to do it right after this. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
2: I want to thank all the listeners who uh, take the time to send us text messages each week at five zero four two six zero one eight seventy. We encourage you to put that into your contact list, and whenever you come around on a Saturday morning, you happen to be listening, you got a comment or a question. We invite you to put it to good use. And here's our first text in from our friend the Frog Lawyer. He's heading out west for the Cajun Castaway, the Lafayette Kayak Fishing Club Tournament. Good luck to all you kayakers dealing. With some pretty stiff winds going to be out there this morning. All right, we also have this comment coming in uh, from, let's see, it says, poor, poor rooster is working today. Possum and Mason stayed at Mississippi State. Uh, Him or me, I'm going to send an arrow this morning. That's from Pat. Good luck. Yeah, archery's a a good option. Those of you who don't like to get up there when it's hot and full of insects, got some good mornings this weekend uh, and next week to get out there and – Get up in the tree and try to stick one of those whitetails. All right, uh, let's see. Here's one that's from Tony T. Says, good morning. The bass bite is getting better in City Park. Please practice catch and release in the park. Yeah, bass fishing in City Park has uh, been good for a number of years. Uh, some of the, the, the studies that they do, the shocking uh, projects that the Wildlife and Fisheries conducts, has turned up some pretty big potential trophy bass in that city park and whenever they have the rodeos it uh, proves there's a lot of fish in those lagoons and it's absolutely free to fish there and here's one says i'm 58 lifelong Lafouche parish resident i love to cook a squirrel sauce pecan but all the woods i hunted are private and gated now well that may be the bad news but the good news is we've got uh, quite a few public wildlife management areas and some uh, national forest and Also, some other areas that are open for public hunting. And the good news about that, more so, is that not a whole lot of people, not as many people hunt small game as they used to. And some of these management areas have some really good populations of squirrel, and it wouldn't take much to just drive a little bit further and get in the woods and uh, bag you a couple of those bushy tails and make you a nice sauce pecan gumbo. Sounds good on a chilly morning. All right, here's our friend Wingbone. He's our turkey call maker from the turkey Wingbones. Ed, he says he's planning to make sure his flintlock rifles are still on target. Primitive hunting. Yeah, coming up for the muzzle loaders. Some of these weapons are not so primitive anymore, but if you're using a flintlock, yeah, I'd classify that as primitive. And another Alabama listener, this one from Clark County. It's our friend, the backstrap back stacker. He's checking in. He's headed to the Mississippi camp. He's going to try to sling an arrow at one of those bucks in the velvet. No wind yet. Uh, Okay, good luck to you. And this one says, Don, too many alligators in the bayou. I counted 40. Coming from Bayou Bonfica to Bayou Liberty the other night, coming back from throwing a cast net for shrimp. Too many. Can't bring the dog hunting. Never seen this many big. That's Big Mike on Historic beautiful Bayou Liberty. Well, that was one of the many items that were addressed at the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Commission meeting. And the statistics bear out what you're seeing, Big Mike. There are more alligators out there maybe than we've ever had in Louisiana. It's uh, due to several reasons, the main one being uh, commercial value of alligators is down. Not as many alligator hunters are going out. Uh, They probably need to increase the amount, and I think they fully intend to do that, of lottery applications where the regular sportsmen are going to be allowed to go out and take alligators because there are absolutely a lot of alligators out there to the point of many, many more nuisance gators, which can be really hazardous to uh, particularly pets and and small children. Be on the lookout if you're around a bank. Uh, Of course, we're getting to that time of the year where the alligators pretty much stop feeding when the water temperature cools off we've got an alligator hunt plan with <clears throat> the plastic man captain ryan coming up in a couple of weeks we'll tell you more about that and uh, by the way i was fishing with him we'll talk to him about that trip we had uh, in the wind it was a uh, fishing trip of a lifetime for a, a young man named um, his dad's name dustin and his name is lucas and they had a great time, boy, but it, we had to really uh, slug it out to get what we needed, and uh, we got it done. We'll tell you more about that coming up in our second hour. All right, here's one says, uh, I'm off this weekend, and my son and I are taking my five-year-old daughter on her first squirrel hunt. She's probably just going to watch on as well as, oh, wait, wait, just watch. I started taking my son when he was five. He's 23 and a firefighter. He's looking forward to getting his baby sister into hunting. We've got your show on as well as coffee and biscuits. We love your show. Have a great weekend, my friend. That's from our buddy also in Alabama, the Irish Coonass. Well, good luck, and uh, hopefully uh, she gets to witness uh, the first squirrel being bagged and maybe a little lesson in squirrel cleaning and cookery might be in order. All right, we got, uh, let's see, this is a... Uh, A note telling me that Dale Rocket was the winner in the redfish tournament last weekend in Dulac with a 41-inch bull red. All redfish were caught and released. And we're going to be talking more about redfish uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, That was one of the items that came up on the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries in Louisiana, that is, a commission meeting about changing regulations, and we'll tell you what they did on the... Notice of intent with regard to that. And another really hot issue you heard us talking in over the last couple of weeks about the accidental spills, the net tears with regard to the pogey boats and operating in close to the shores and the legislative battle and CCA trying their hardest to get some responsible regulations installed like some of our neighboring states. Well, there was some things accomplished at that commission meeting, and I hope you'll stick with us, and we'll tell you more about that coming up. We also got some fishing reports from Daryl Carpenter, Captain Mike Gallo, Brendan Bayard with a paddler's report, and, of course, that that, uh, Brian Lambert, the plastic man. We fished with him on Sunday, had a good trip. We'll tell you about how our hunt fish of a lifetime went. That trip down there in Burris. All that's still to come right here on The Outdoors with Tom Dubuque, Radio Network. And I got this in from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the Southeast Louisiana National Wildlife Refuges. They are putting on another celebration of what they call wild things. It's a celebration of the National Wildlife Refuges, and it will be next Saturday, October the 14th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., This goes on at the Bayou Lacombe Center in Lacombe. It's the headquarters for the southeast Louisiana refuges. And all 110 wooded acres with the trails and the gardens and the ponds and scenic Bayou Lacombe, all this is going to be opened up to the public uh, for a lot of different activities, including canoe paddling, birdhouse building, uh, archery demonstrations. You can actually grab a a bow and give it a try. Uh, View native wildlife uh, and learn how to Help Restore Louisiana's Coast. They've got a wildlife art show by the youth, the, a hayride, owls and hawks up close, and many, many other demonstrations. And it's all free, and they'll be serving some refreshments too. So that's October the 14th. The weather should be good, 10 to 4. That's at the Bayou La Combe Center of the uh, Southeast Louisiana National Wildlife Refugees. You might want to put that on your calendar. All right, we'll get back to the text board and some more calendar items right after we pause Ten seconds for our local stations to identify themselves on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. All right, we got a text in that says, Mr. Don, can you talk about speckled trout size and creole? <laughs> we could talk for hours on that topic. Uh, it's still uh, hotly debated, hotly contested. I'll, I'll tell you this, the bottom line, nothing is changed. Right now, the 12-inch minimum size, 25 fish per person per day, is still in effect after a couple of years of uh, haggling and arguing and notice of intents and legislative oversight. Uh, we're not much further along than we began. The problem with this is the reason why this is being considered because the biologists doing their uh, studies that they are required to do uh, stock assessments discovered that the species is overfished. And I don't think that was a surprise to anyone who's fished for any amount of time in Louisiana waters for speckled trout. We don't catch the biggest fish that we're used to as big, and you're not catching as many. And there's a reason why. Uh, We're losing habitat. There's a lot of pressure on them. um, And overfishing is the reason that they're blaming it. So in order to compensate for that, restore the speckled trout population to a, um, a number that can be safely maintained where the species doesn't collapse and we don't take too many out, we leave enough to replenish the, the population. Uh, the latest that has been sent forward, and this was done with a, a notice of intent in the, at the August commission meeting, uh, they have chosen to go with a 13-inch to a 20-inch slot. That means any speckled trout caught within that range. If it's 13 or over and under 20 inches, you're able to keep 15. They would reduce the total creel to 15. Now, that has to go before the legislature, and that is generally where they run into problems. Uh, and when the legislature gives it its okay or its thumbs down, then they'll go back to the drawing board. But until such time as the legislative oversight passes and the new regulations are adopted and put into effect after a public notice, uh, it's still... 12 inch minimum size, 25 fish total limit. Most people agree with the 25 is too many. 15 is enough. Where most of the rub is, is in that minimum size. Should it be 12? Should it be 13? Should it be 13 and a half? A lot of the fishermen say they will have to release too many fish, and also that fish, it's been determined once they make 12 inches, that they have at least spawned one time before they're taken out of the population. Anyway, a lot of science going into it, a lot of different opinions. Uh, some fishermen want different things. Everyone wants something, Some even among the, the charter boat guides. Uh, some of those guys don't agree with the others. Different parts of the state, which, which I thought was a, a pretty wise idea because we've got different habitats on the eastern end and the western end of the state where normally you have bigger fish in the central part of the state around the Grand Isle area. Uh, the fish tend to run smaller there. Maybe different size limits for different zones, but that didn't seem to suit their fancy. So that's where it stands now. And uh, of course, we stay on top of it. As soon as there is any type of a change, uh, we'll certainly pass that along to the listening audience. All right, uh, what are you doing? You going squirrel hunting? Uh, you going rabbit hunting? You going bow hunting? Are you going to try to fight this wind and find some fish on the inside? A little freshwater fishing. Might be good for today if you want to get out and uh, enjoy some of these uh, these cooler temperatures that we've got going on right now. All right, we are going to take a short break. I'll come back and uh, I got a question here. Anybody determine which state legislators are on the pogi boat payrolls? Well, uh, there's a whole list of uh, state legislators who are in support of what the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Commission voted to do at this past Thursday's meeting. And when we come back, I'll tell you exactly what that is and also where we stand on changing the redfish restrictions as far as creel limit and size limits. Back to do that right after this on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. All right, as someone who has covered the Wildlife and Fishery Commission meetings for several decades, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it is getting more and more painful Thursday's 9.30 to 4.30 meeting without a lunch break was just that. And, well, there's going to be some new faces in a couple of months. Uh, Hopefully the new governor will make some sensible, more qualified, better appointments to the position. They need to stop their personal storytelling, asking questions about issues that they find interesting for their own personal information. Now, the two big items which instead of putting them first on the agenda, which would have allowed people in attendance to leave by midday, nope, what did they do? They intentionally placed those items at the end of the agenda list, later in the meeting. That makes everyone sit through all the minutiae business items that the public input isn't necessary. I think the commission likes to have a big audience the entire time, And that's how they keep people there because they never know when those items are going to be addressed because they can shift the agenda around. Well, they need to also change the the endless in-person public comment periods. I mean, the comments are important, but they should be put in writing. And they can be posted now with technology on the website where the commissioners and the public can access them instead of endless time consumed, uh, even though they they try to limit them to three minutes, and they don't enforce that if they like what the person is saying. They let them go on and on. But Thursday I heard one of the most disturbing things I've ever heard in a a Department of Wildlife and Fisheries meeting, when a commissioner admonished the public speakers before they got up to speak to stick to the facts in making their comments. Well, who determines what the facts are? whatever happened to public opinion, whatever happened to free speech, let the public determine if what they're hearing is true or false. It's not always cut and dry what a fact is. There are, there are different sets of facts depending on who's presenting them. Now, this is another case of appointed government uh, representatives who forget they, they don't serve themselves and we don't serve them supposed to be the other way around. Well, here's what all those hours of pushing, shoving, arguing, and jockey positioning produced. The Menhaden issue, the Pogie boats. They adopted a notice of intent by a 4-2 to vote that establishes a coastal buffer zone for the commercial harvest of Menhaden one mile off the entire Louisiana coastline and three miles from the area between Holly Beach and Rutherford Beach in western Louisiana. In doing this, it will extend our existing one-quarter mile buffer and the existing three-mile buffer at Grand Isle will remain in place. It also has to do with some tighter reporting requirements where a 48-hour period would be allowed for retrieving any menhaden or bycatch that they unintentionally or intentionally release into the environment and provides penalties and restitution associated with any failure to comply. Now, it still has to pass legislative oversight, and that may be where the rub comes in, but this is the best chance Louisiana's ever had to tighten the regulations, get more in line with what the rest of our Gulf state neighbors do. Florida bans it altogether. Alabama and Mississippi keep it a mile off their coast, and Texas also has a buffer zone and a catch quota, which we don't have. The other big issue that was discussed, and this is another one that's been kicking the the fish down the beach for a long time. After way too much discussion, and I'm going to very simply present it here, they finally passed the original notice of intent that they had to deal with anyway, which would reduce the daily limit to three redfish, slot limit of 18 to 24, allowing none over that 24-inch to be kept, and no keeping of personal guide limits. Now, that also proceeds to the legislature for oversight approval. So for now, nothing is changed from the current size and bag limit, which is five redfish per person per day, a 16 to 27-inch slot, excuse me, but one of those over the slot would be allowed to be kept. So those were the two major items that came out of a very, very lengthy and, as I call it, painful commission meeting. All right, Red Snapper. uh, The Department of Wildlife and Fisheries also released the latest recreational Red Snapper landings. This is through September 24th. And the real-time landings data collection program is indicating that a little over 777,000 pounds, which represents 83 0.2% of our annual allocation, which is close to a million pounds, 934,000 and some change, has been harvested. And if you notice, as I give these updates each week, it's getting slower and slower to reach that harvest quote. And the reason for that, these winds. Uh, Winds blew all last week. They're blowing this weekend, uh, preventing the boats from getting out, which prevents the snapper from being caught, which keeps the uh, allocation down. So anyway, it's time to get out there and do some fall red snapper fishing. You just got to wait for the right conditions regarding those winds. All right, time out here. When we come back, Daryl Carpenter got a Grand Isle area report for you. Find out what's happening on the island right after this pause on the outdoors with Don DeBue Radio Network. And join us as we head down to Grand Isle and talk to Captain Daryl Carpenter of realscreamers.com. And Darrell, looks like those winds are persistent again for the next several days.
5: Yeah, Don. Well well the forecast last I checked it said it's cleaning up by Monday, but you know, for a brief period, but you know, we just gotta deal with it. I mean, it's that time of the year and it looks like the fronts are gonna be stacked up back to back. And you know the the I guess the the surprising part of the story was all week long, even though the winds were pretty brutal, once you made it across that bay and got into that marsh, the water stayed remarkably clear. Uh I, I got a feeling that's because of the drought, but you know, it stayed remarkably clear and we held our own as far as catching fish. I mean, it wasn't a 50, 75 trout days, but everybody was bringing back 25, 30 with some redfish mixed in and an occasional sheephead. It's, it's not quite, not quite to the point yet that they're ganged up. You know, the sheepheads are ganged up. That's going to take the dead of winter. But you know, all in all, been able to put boxes of fish together and put smiles on people's faces.
2: Yep, well, that's good. Do you you think that this front is going to be enough to to keep the fish up into the interior of the marsh to make it worthwhile going in the wind? I hate fishing in the wind. You know, it it makes casting difficult, even tying knots is – Blowing your line around when it's like that, <laughs> yeah. In addition to uh, to access too, so but hopefully that that this will be the transition that'll get those fish up into the marshes. That water temperature should be cooling down a little bit.
5: Well, Don, that transition's already taking place. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to some of the guys that you know that helped me fill in during during our busy times, and I mean all the way up to Myrtle Grove, uh, all the way up to Myrtle Grove Canal, right there at the landing itself all the way up into the Lafitte, on the north side of Little Lake. I mean there's trout scattered everywhere. Now your size differs a little bit. The bigger fish seem to still be down closer to Grand Isle. But I mean as far as what uh, Bayou DuPont, uh, they're putting together, you know, very nice catches of speckled trout everywhere. So I mean the fish have already started to transition. The fish the, the speckled trout are scattered all the way from Grand Isle to Lafitte. It's just that uh you know, the this cold front right here, I think is gonna not gonna quite be strong enough to drain all that water out of the marsh. I mean, right now we're still extremely high tide, uh everything's flooded around Grand Isle. And as long as it doesn't push that water out and make it real dirty, then I think what we the pattern we've had the next few the last few weeks should continue. Now that we got another front coming in what, midweek? We'll have to see what it does. It'll it'll be hitting at a, a lighter tide range, you know. It, it just all depends on how Mother Nature treats us. Yep.
2: You know, Daryl, uh, I was thinking about you yesterday. I had one of our listeners uh, sent me a, a little video of of a phenomenon that they came across. They were fishing and they they found some. Uh, it looked like weirs or old piers where there was some. Uh, the fiddler crabs were just bunched up on there, and I guess occasionally the, they would get washed or fall off into the water underneath, and there were just big bull drum and bull reds underneath there just tearing them up, and they were <laughs> catching them on every cast. And uh, I'm going to talk about another phenomenon that Ryan and I found a, a similar situation. Have you ever had something, a situation that popped up that was unusual like that and uh, fish? just it was every cast you know we get the normal birds where you got the the seagulls swooping down on the bait and the fish are underneath but sometimes there's some circumstances another one i can remember i was fishing with my gallo and we were doing a tv feature we ended up calling it whitewater trout fishing there was some water being pumped in from some heavy rains into the intercoastal waterway and the water looked dirty and, and murky and was was a runoff and it was full of speckled trout because there was all kind of crawfish and other little organisms being washed in there. Can you recall any of those kind of situations you've come across?
5: Yeah, well, Don, I mean, and, and you know, a few of them, you know, you've kind of been with me. I, I don't know if they were quite as dramatic as that. But, you know, you and I have fished over, especially in the wintertime, I've fished over some holes where, I'll, you know, you had nothing but a, a – Uh, a bunch of these needlefish you know it just seemed like there were needlefish everywhere and i can remember the words coming out of your mouth Boy speckled trout love needlefish and sure enough we sat there we we started off redfishing and sat there and caught a bunch of speckled trout on it you know that were chasing those needlefish um the i guess the biggest thing that we see down here a lot of time is with the moving you know with the with the movement of the shrimp there there's days that we've been just beating the banks and you, you keep hearing this disturbance coming, and you're thinking maybe it's a bunch of dolphins tearing up the bank, you know, eating all the flounder and whatever. And you look down the bank, and here come just herds and herds of redfish chasing schools of shrimp. We run yeah. into that occasionally, and, yeah, we ran yeah.
2: into it last week. Yeah, I was just going to say I remember that needlefish trout trip. And also, see if you remember this one, it's kind of a funny story. We were fishing offshore, and we were catching mangrove snapper underneath the rig. And we pulled one up that had a hot dog in its mouth, and we found out they were throwing the leftover lunch over the side, and it was chum, chumming the fish up. And we were catching them right yeah. there off the rig where they were throwing the, 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 the. Actually, it was garbage. It was clean garbage. It was food items, but it was pretty funny right. when that one opened his mouth and a hot dog popped out.
5: <laughs> the The most dramatic one, the most dramatic one I ever had with a mangrove is we actually caught one, probably the same rig because it's the living quarters I used to love to hit. But we caught one, and he had a he had a, the long end of a pork chop T-bone sticking out of his <laughs> rectum. He, just, he couldn't pass the other part of it, but he had he was, the long end sticking out.
2: <laughs> I guess he was kind of lucky he got caught, you might say. <laughs> Daryl, uh, you're on my website, realscreamers.com. Give them the telephone number if they want to get a hold of you.
5: Yeah, we're going to be sitting watching the wind blow for a couple of days, so we'll be here to answer it. It's 225 uh, 937 6288. Thanks for the report, and uh, thanks for the memories. Always good
2: to talk with you. (laughs) Same here, Don. Thank you. All right, Captain Darrell Carpenter, realscreamers.com. All right, coming up, we got more fishing reports, more text messages to 504-260-1870 and some calendar items to tell you about. Got a good fishing rodeo coming up in a couple of weeks, and also a wildfowl festival. All that on the outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network.